Hey, good morning, New Cove. Here's the question this morning. What if you got to know God up close? Would you really want to? Or do we want some kind of comfortable distance? The whole idea of God up close is kind of an unnerving thought to me. I don't know about you. I've been trying to follow him for over 50 years. And God up close still is like one of those ideas that's like, uh, yes, but, oh. Do you ever feel that way? You know, the uh, first disciples got to see God up close. And there's a story in Luke chapter 5, verse 10, chapter, not verse, page 1031 in the book. And I'm not going to have time to read this whole chapter this morning. But these, these people saw God up close and they, they worshiped not because it was their duty. They worshiped not because there was some formula that they were trying to fill in to earn favor with God. But they worshiped him up close because they realized who he was. Let me set up the story, though. I don't have time to read all of it. Is that Jesus was teaching at the Sea of Galilee. And the crowd got so large, he said to this fisherman, Simon Peter, he said, I want to get in the boat. And I want you to take me out in the boat. And so he began to preach to the crowd from the boat. And when he had finished, he said to Peter, well, lower your net into the sea. And when he did, guess what? Jesus whistled and all the fish filled the net, I guess. But the the net was totally filled. And when they brought it in, Luke 5, verse 8, it says this. It says, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' feet and said, Go away from me, for I am a sinful man. I'm sure he felt overwhelmed. I'm sure he felt exposed. I'm sure fear was there. Kind of the the fight, flight, freeze kind of fear that overtook him. Go away from me. And a word that we can put to that is the word awe, A-W-E, which is the rapt attention and deep emotion caused by the sight of something extraordinary. He was in awe. And his response was, no, I want some distance here. And yet it says he fell at his feet, a sense of of worship, a sense of, this is beyond me. I worship you. And that's a human response. Everybody on earth is in awe of something or someone because we were created by God to be in awe of things, to realize what is the best and what is the greatest 
And when we realize that, it's like, this is awesome. And we will glorify something or someone because we were made to do that. I'm looking forward to Thursday night with fear and trembling, the start of the Husker football season. Uh, And I vacillate between the two. And if you enjoy football like I do, then when there's a touchdown and you're in the stands or even in your living room, everybody just stands up and they cheer, they yell, they scream, they jump up and down, they high five, they lift their arms and some cry. And uh, in full transparency, sometimes I swear, okay? Uh, Okay, see ya. I confessed my sins, okay. But why do we have that response? Do we have a card that says, when Nebraska scores a touchdown, do the following things. Stand up, okay. Raise your hands, yell. No, it's instinctive because when you see something that's great, see something that, that is like, wow, our natural human response is to be in awe. And these first disciples, Peter in the boat and his friends, they were in awe of Jesus. And you know, they were never the same. In verse 10, Jesus responds to, to the response to him, get away from me, I'm a sinful man. He says, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And that's what they did. Because they wanted everyone to experience God up close, just like they had experienced him up close. They wanted people to worship the one and only, the only one worthy of worship, the greatest and the best, and that was Jesus. And so you see, worship is a response to God. Now, today I have a one-point sermon, and that's it. Worship is a response to God. To God. And that response to God changes your life. And after his resurrection, we read in the book of Acts how their lives began to center around the one who they worshiped. In Acts 2.43, it says, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. They were just in awe. And we know from that passage that they gathered day by day in the temple and at homes. And they were in awe. It's like God is the the best. He's the most glorious. We fall at his feet. We worship him. They experienced him when they met together and they kept their eyes on God. In Colossians 3.16, it describes what they did. It said, Paul writes, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, 
from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. You see, because they lived in awe, they were a worshipful community. The message of Christ was present everywhere they went. In the large groups, in the small groups, one-on-one. They taught and challenged one another to live up close with God. They put their whole heart into it, not just passive acceptance. It involved them singing from their hearts, praising him and worshiping him like a crowd of Huskers with a national championship, singing and worshiping the true greatest and the best. Well, what keeps us from worshiping God? Most of us in this room know him. We've made a commitment to him. At some point, we have like fallen on our knees before the Lord. And we've said in our own way, away from me, I'm sinful. And we've experienced his grace. But what keeps us from being up close with him, from worshiping him? When you came in, you got a penny. If you get your penny out... This is not pennies from heaven, okay? Uh, This is not a penny for your thoughts. It's just a simple penny that in the grand scheme of things doesn't mean much today, right? Uh, They're talking about doing away with the penny, uh, which makes the penny collectors very happy. Uh, But if you take your penny and kind of hold it up like this, All right, now look at the screen. Now look at your penny. Gaze at the screen. Glance at your penny. Okay, now bring your penny closer and cover one eye. Look at the screen. You can't look at the screen. Because this little thing has become so big that it blots out the main thing. And you see, the reason that we don't worship him is that we allow little things, good things, bad things, problems, things we're extremely happy about that we begin to gaze at those to the point that it blocks out our ability to gaze at God and to be up close with him. We've got to, to keep our gaze on God and glance at everything else, whether it's a disease or losing a loved one or the loss of a job, or like Chris is getting ready to, we hope, move to an opportunity that brings joy, that cannot be the biggest thing in our lives and what we concentrate on. And I wonder in your life, if you have time, if you've set aside those penny things that in the long scheme of things are worthless, 
and spend time gazing at God and worshiping him. It's a process. Second Peter 3.18. This is the same Peter who is in the boat who said, Away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. As an older man, he said, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Getting up close to God's a growth process. It involves growing in grace and your understanding of all that God has done for you and growing in your knowledge of who he really is. And as we get grow to know God up close, we become true worshipers. I have a picture up on the screen that's taken at the University of Washington. And uh, when the Huskers play out there, maybe you can go out and see this yourself. This is a picture from the University of Mar- Washington in a plaza looking at Mount Rainier. <clears throat> Mount Rainier is about 68 miles away. That'd be like sitting here in Lincoln and looking to the east and seeing this where Omaha is, right? That'd be pretty amazing. Uh, you'd be, be something wrong with you if you saw that, by the way. <laughs> But this is the highest peak in the Cascade Range. It's 14,400 feet, and it's over 8,000 feet above anything else around it. So it just, it's, an, it's a volcano that's there. It has 36 miles of glaciers. It's the largest single glacier system in a single peak in the whole world. And it has the world's largest volcanic glacier cave network in all of its craters. So I have a friend, a pastor friend in Atlanta named Louie. And as a young kid in high school, Louie got enamored with Mount Rainier. In fact, he was almost OCD on Mount Rainier. He, He would look at every picture he could of it. He would He got a topographical map of Mount Rainier, a great big one. He'd roll it up and put it under his bed. And he would pull that out and lay it on his bed. He would trace all the contours of Mount Rainier and see where the glaciers were located. And he was just, he was just fixated on Mount Rainier. This was just like, wow. Well, when he graduated from high school, he and some friends decided they'd make a road trip. And they went across the country to the Pacific Northwest. And yes, they went to Mount Rainier. And he he was so excited about this. It's like, finally, I'm going to get to Mount Rainier. I know so much about it. I've read it. I've studied it. I love Mount Rainier. And so they start their trek up to Mount Rainier in their car. And as he tells his story, he says, when we rounded the corner and I saw Mount Rainier, I just began to weep. I began to cry. Because as much as I had studied it and read about it and even dreamed about it, it was greater than anything. I could have comprehended. 
So why did he respond with tears? Well, he had an intellectual knowledge of Mount Rainier. But seeing it up close with it, there was a whole new level of knowledge. I'm going to ask the band to come up. Boy, when I said a one-point sermon, I wasn't kidding, right? (laughs) So, wow, that's how it is with God. We can know about him. We can study him. We can hear sermons about God. We can read the Bible. We can listen to podcasts. But it's easy to get lost in all the trees of life and all the distractions that come. But when we have an encounter up close with the living God who actually exists, something changes. We just don't know about him. We know him. It can happen when you're reading your Bible. It can happen in a small group that suddenly you begin to know God better. It can happen in the middle of an amazing experience. It can happen in the middle of a terrible problem. It happened for me last fall in a journey group that we had here at New Cove. And you can check the journey group out in this in the... Just hold off. Uh, He's so excited, I know. He wants to worship. He wants you to see God up close. I get it. Uh, And so... So... uh, I was in this, I, we're, you can check out the journey group in the foyer, but last fall I, I realized in losing my brother and only sibling in March that I had some unfinished business that was bothering me. And a journey group is a, a place where there's biblical community and auth, biblical uh, teaching, authentic community, and a place where you can explore your story. And so for a number of weeks, I think the journey group is eight weeks, I explored my journey with my brother in the circle of some trusted people that I could trust, some other guys. And as a result of that, I rounded a corner. I began to see God in a different way. I began to see my brother in a different way, and I saw myself in a different way. And I'm a better worshiper of God because I took advantage of that opportunity to deal with, with what seemed to me to be unfinished business, and it really was. You see, when we round a corner, we see God in a new way. Before we think God would say, Say to us, yes, Brad, I love you, but I sure wish you'd do better. If only you could do better. Sort of a disappointed love. But when you round the corner and get a glimpse of the face of real love, it turns out to be unconditional love. God loves you as a failure, 
and as a burnout. He loves you as a Pharisee. He loves you as a lonely child looking for love, never feeling good enough to be loved. He loves you as you are. He loves you where you are. He accepts you without a single condition, without any requirements, or if only you'd do better stipulations. That revelation of who he really is melts your heart. And it changes you forever. And you will worship. You see, at the end of our broken dreams, at the end of twisted paths through the woods, at the end of all of our good intentions, God is there, round the corner. One look at the real God and our hearts melt, our tears flow, our fears subside, our hopes of loving embrace are realized. One look in his eyes and we know that we're accepted and loved forever, not because of our less than cellular performance, but because of what Jesus did in his life and death and resurrection, that we are a part of his family We fly beyond all we thought was true of God up to the summit of who he truly is. We're loved for good, taken into his arms forever, accepted with no chance of being rejected, and will never be the same. We will worship because worship is a response to God. And I'm here to tell you this morning, he's just around the corner for you. He's there. Look for him. Wait for him. He is the God who is there. And you know what? We are going to worship him now. Please stand.